tonight as a group, the live audience and myself and Chiaki, we are going to save Chiaki's soul tonight. Does We're going to make this happen. My soul needed saving? Your soul is filthy. Filthy dirty? Everybody can see it. Some people like it filthy, Mitsugi. Don't judge. Right, we both enjoyed a good fight, and we sold all the holes we had to prove to make the other one leave. And I loved the way you looked at me, and I missed the way you made me feel. heard the song Shiver from the anime Mushishi Zokusho by the artist Lucy Rose. And now that everybody's asleep, you're listening to episode 226 of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. We have one sole mission, and that mission is what, Chiaki? To make your anime addiction worse. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome very much. So, you can find us at our website, www.aaapodcast.com, so come and check us out on there. You can find us also on iTunes and Facebook, and also on Ustream live every Saturday night at 9.30 p.m. EST on Ustream.tv. So, um, I was told, a little bird told me that you would be eating moe cake tonight. How do you feel about that? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. So, for those people that are, that are sort of out of the loop... Last week on the podcast, Cram did an impression of Brunhilder in the Darkness, and in Brunhilder in the Darkness in episode two, they feed a moe girl blended cake because she is paralyzed and cannot eat it herself. So that was just simply... she can swallow. She can swallow. She can't chew, but she can swallow. It was so outlandish that I thought, why not bring a blender into the podcast studio? So I have with me both a blender and cake. And coming up on the podcast, I will indeed, we will reenact that scene from Brunhilder in the Darkness with Chiaki playing the Moe girl. So, I know everybody wants to be here for that, so. I get cake today. Oh, sort she's, of. she's so excited. <laughs> so, we have, we only have one forum member this week, so people have been slacking. Uh, but welcome Dan Board 2. So. My name of the week. Oh, well, oh what is it? Is Dan Board 2. Oh, really? Are you sure? Um, I'm pretty sure. Okay, great. So, yeah. Trivia. Trivia this week was pretty hard. It was, we've moved on to a new theme for trivia, and that theme is not only do you have to be able to identify the anime photo, but you have to be able to tell what landmark in Japan the is in the picture. So, this time around, it was, it was a photo from Kyoso Giga. It was the Genko-an Temple in Kyoto. 
So it was pretty tough. And if you didn't, and if you, and if you merely said Kyoso Giga in your answer, I'm sorry, but that was not accepted. You have to give the either the city or the temple's name would have been okay. So only a few people got it correct. The the count Opai for Senpai Shake a Spear and Is No Try all got the question correct this week. So congratulations to you guys. And the winner for the week was the count. So great job. Yeah. That was a hard one. I honestly didn't know what it was. I, I I knew the I knew the anime, but I did not know the name of the temple, so it was pretty difficult. Actually, this next one's pretty difficult too. Chiaki's out out for blood. I'm I'm hunting down the men from the boys. Watch out. So, the uh, the podcast has yet again moved locations as it makes its its uh, celebrity tour around Florida. So, we are now on the east coast. Mm-hmm. The east coast of Florida. So last time we were in Central Florida, and who knows where the where the podcast will be next week? Actually, next week I probably won't be on the podcast. So a very rare occurrence, but it'll probably just be Chiaki and Cram flying the boat. So hopefully it doesn't sink. That means I'm driving. Watch out, everybody. So I know that um, people are really eager to see you eat moe cake, Chiaki, and um, this is actually a mailbag roundup episode. So I'll, I'll talk about more about that in a minute. But because of that, there is, actually isn't a mailbag section on this episode. <gasps> what? I know, I know. So um, I'm going to uh, quickly move us into the uh, the news break music, which is maybe at record speed. We've never had such a record. Whoa, six minutes? I feel like we should six just minutes. talk for a while. So, um, but we do have a... Uh, we'll, we can talk after the, after the news break. Okay. So we have a, a poll question. The poll question is... What should we blend and feed Chiaki next week? Oh no, is is this a new thing on the show? Is Oh no, you were screaming about how much you wanted to eat cake like two minutes ago. I do like cake, but I can't imagine what horrible things that people might come up for me to eat next. So your options are A, donuts, B, natto, C, an iPhone. <laughs> hey, an iPhone will blend. Will it blend? It will, it will blend. Uh, D, the Pope hat, which is sitting right in front of me, by the way. Or E, sausage. So so we'll be back in a couple minutes after the, after the news break, and we'll get to that poll and have some discussion. And then the, uh, the moment everybody has been waiting for. So stay tuned. This is Chiaki, and this is your Anime News Break. First off, for those of you who are keeping up with the project of the most ridiculous anime series we have ever discussed on this show, recently My Little Sister is Unusual. As covered before, there is a live-action film coming out. Most recently, Katakawa has begun streaming an official English subtitle trailer for the upcoming live-action film. Katakawa translates the title of the film is What's Going On With My Sister? A warning for those of you who look it up on YouTube, some of the content featured in the video might not be safe for work. Another news for those of you who are familiar with the all-female Takarazuka Theater, it is a very famous theater in Japan that, as said, employs an all-female cast. The Takarazuka Review will hold its first stage musical adaptation of Monkey Punch's classic, iconic manga, 
Lupin the Third. You can find pictures online of the top star of the review, Sienna Sagiri of the Yukigumi Group, will be co-starring with Miyu Saki with the review's top performer of female roles. The review did perform a parody with Miki Maya dressed as the thief loop on the third during the 95 TCA special Manic Takarazuka run. However, the upcoming performance will be Takarazuka's first official portrayal of loop on the third. I'm very excited for more information and pictures, whatever they release, that will come later. In other news that isn't explicitly anime, but is definitely interesting to talk about, Nintendo, a large Japanese company that I'm sure all of you are familiar with, has an upcoming English release of the Tomodachi Life, Tomodachi Collection New Life. The game they have recently announced will not allow for romantic relationships between same-sex avatars, despite the pressure they have been receiving from fans online. A representative from Nintendo of America said Nintendo never intended to make any form of social commentary with the launch of Tomodachi Life. The relationships options in the game represent a playful alternate world rather than a real-life simulation. Whether that's the case or not, what do you think? Should there be allowances for same-sex relationships in this world, or is it totally okay without them being there? In other news, San Jose State students are hosting an art charity auction, but it's not just any kind of art charity, it's a Nintendo art charity. Animation and illustration students from the university are hosting an art auction with proceeds that are going to the Morgan Autism Center. The art pieces were created by the students who chose their favorite Nintendo games as inspirations. You can find photos of some of these sculptures and paintings online and, well, they're fantastic. This was Chiaki and this was your Anime News Break. Don't go anywhere because we'll be back to the show soon. The Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast presents Bedtime Stories with Chiaki. So I get to my school where I'm teaching and I decided to wear a skirt. So I'm walking to my school and my school has this deck thing that we go up to get into the school. And I'm walking and I trip and I fall face first, ass in the air, and my skirt goes up to my shoulders. And my ass is facing the parking lot, and there's a car there with a parent in it. And my ass is just hanging out. It was a, a real-life moe moment. Someone might need to pay a visit to the church of Mitsugi. Oh, I can God. just say that I've, I've actually fell and given a panty shot. And now, back to the hosts. Chiaki, how does it feel knowing that in a matter of minutes, you will not only... You will follow up your skirt moe story with moe cake eating. Yay. <laughs> see, I'm going to... Uh, How did I become the moe character? Did you not just... How did this happen? Did you not just hear that story you told on the podcast? I mean, I I think I still have a scar from where I skinned my knee from falling. The Church of Mitsugi has heard your confessions, the confessions from your very heart that you are indeed infected with moe. And the church is going to allow moe, moe cake eating today to take place in this very room in order to demonstrate its evils. All right. We are going to, we're, tonight, tonight as a group, the live audience and myself and Chiaki, we are going to save Chiaki's soul tonight. Does, we're going to make this happen. My soul needed saving? Your soul is filthy. 
Filthy, dirty. Everybody can see it. Some people like it filthy, Mitsugi. Don't judge. Okay, so... Okay, so yeah, I, I forgot to check the poll result. So why don't I do this real quick? So with 30% of the votes, people would like to see you have to eat blended natto. Oh, so you want this to be puke cast. Okay. But approximately 27% of people would either see you eat an iPhone or the Pope hat. So That's wait, just cruel. You want me to vomit or die? Those are my choices. I think you'd be okay eating the Pope hat for real. It would be some good fiber. But an, an iPhone, you might, you, yeah, you might be in the hospital. I yeah. think it would be pretty awful. I could see some surgeries occurring after that. So for the, for the people listening live that maybe. The cake will need some glass in it. Massive banana lodge. That's. That's, that's not cool. That's That's mean. not cool. So the, uh, the people that are listening live or the people that are listening on iTunes maybe are a little bit confused about what the heck we're talking about, all this cake. So on the last episode, as I said. We were, we were doing an impression on Brunhilder in the Darkness. So for those people that just have no idea what we're talking about, if you go to the end of episode two of Brunhilder in the Darkness, you can watch a scene where the characters actually blend. It's like th- this Moe girl can't eat cake. So what are we going to do to help the her eat poor, the cake? poor, poor Moe girl who can't eat cake. If you're paralyzed, like, like just fully paralyzed, normally you wouldn't be able to chew or swallow. But it's anime, so how do we... What, what are we going to feed the girl? Cake, right? Because it's anime. She's moe. We but need something to feed really nu- a feeder that'll be really re- nutritious. W- we need a more effective delivery method. So let's blend the cake first in a blender and scoop it out with a spoon and feed it to her. Right? It's ridiculous. So, so s- before me right here, there is cake, a spoon... And a blender. So uh, Mitsugi went to Publix, your 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 family, your local family grocery store, and bought vanilla buttercream iced cake, sliced with a raspberry filling. Ooh. So um, maybe people in the chat can't really see the can't see the cake very well from here. But um, I'm going to right now. I'm, I'm going to actually open up the top of the blender. There's a there's a very very powerful blender sitting on this table. I mean, it's uh, it reminds me of the blender from the Goonies. Those people that have seen that movie know. I just want to go on the record saying you have to wash this blender. I'm totally not doing it. Do you need the spoon to help get it out, or are you just going to do it with your fingers? All right. Oh, God. <laughs> no, give me that frosting. So, so the, so the, uh, you don't get the frosting. Be what? quiet. You're paralyzed, okay? <laughs> can't she talk? Can't she talk? Actually, she can't really talk. She t- she's like a weird psychic or something. I don't know. I haven't watched that show. <laughs> anyway, so this is going to be deafeningly loud, okay? So... While I blend this cake, I am going to very graciously, for your own sake, lower the levels on the mics. So I'm going to lower them, and you guys can just listen to the blending happen for a minute here. Now, so, by the way, when I listen to this later, I'm either going to think that it's genius or terrible. We'll see what level... (laughs) Congratulations, those of you in the live show. We're going to find out exactly what kind of entertainment this is a little bit later. So, Chiaki, let's read the dialogue here from the anime, okay? Just for for effect, okay? Can we do that? (laughs) Yeah, sure. So, we're we're actually going to read the actual dialogue from the show to fully um, imitate the anime. So, Chiaki can't chew, but she can swallow... Oh, Chiaki, look, it's cake. Ah, it's been ten years. Wow, what what beautiful cake. So cute. Let's have some cake together. Hold on. Ah, 
oh, the poor cute cake. Oh, that was when I was supposed to blend it. <laughs> blend, 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 blend. Ah, oh, the poor cute cake. Okay, so, so um, now for your for your for your extra entertainment, I'm gonna play a little song from you that I picked up <laughs> off of a uh, off of YouTube, and I'm gonna feed Chucky cake, and this is where you're gonna watch. Just a second here. So, um, yeah, it, it actually it actually blended pretty well. All right, well, one more bite, Chiaki, and then you're on a diet. Okay, great. So, um, so how does that how did that work for you? Was it um? Can you talk yet? I have cake all over me. So that last one was rough. I I wanted to make sure that she got a lot of cake, so I just jammed the spoon right in her mouth. A little aggressive, but um, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do for the sake of anime and and, and, and uh, entertainment. So, forty-five people—that's ninety eyeballs—just watched you eat. What you're gonna eat the rest of the? Chucky just pulled the blender off the table and is now eating the cake out of the blender. All right, all right. This is a podcast. Put the blend, put the blender back up here. A good cake. I'm gonna take it away from you if you uh, <laughs> if you keep doing that. Jeez, women. Men. Okay, so I hope that was good for everybody. Now, um, now for the actual topic of the episode, we're doing a, a mailbag roundup, right? So, I'm, I'm, I want to apologize to everybody who submits mailbag questions. We're something like four months behind on mailbags, so we had, we, we were backlogged really badly. So, what we're gonna do today is we're gonna go through about half of the mailbag, and hopefully, a lot of the questions you guys have will get answered, and. Um, the people that have been waiting for weeks and weeks and weeks to have their questions answered will finally get their their stuff read on the on the podcast. So, and again, I'm really sorry about that. So, why don't we just jump right in? Uh, the first mailbag was actually submitted on the forum uh, by Bob Bob 101, whom writes, "Hello, everybody. I have a question that is a bit of a doozy. After watching and reading lots of anime and manga, I've noticed a trend. There are lots and lots of shows where Japan n- never went through the Meiji Restoration." This season, there is that terrible Die Shogun show. There have been there have been past shows like Samurai Girls or Zapang, and are where Japan never lost World War II and or never had to open up to the outside world. Gintama, one of my favorite person, uh, one of my personal favorite things ever, has aliens that come to open up Japan as an insert for Americans. I don't know of the French of the French literature where Napoleon won or British movies where they kept the colonies. I assume they exist, but I don't know of any. Why is there so much media about Japan never opening to the West slash losing World War II? Well, thank you for your mailbag question. It's sort of a difficult cultural question, maybe, I think, uh, to ask us. My take is that it's more interesting to some people to present a different take on history, and Japan has a lot of history buffs and Sengoku period nerds, and people like to see anime that 
you know, sort of depicts what might have been, I think. I think Bobo or Bobob is making a comparison between Japan and the West and why we don't see the same kind of thing in Western literature. And I think that if you look at Japanese history, the Meiji period is a really huge turning point. And I think there are a few things in other people's histories that it could be likened to. I know you brought up Napoleon um, or like maybe what if America hadn't won the revolution and we were still a colony of Great Britain. So there are those things, but I feel like with Japan and with a lot of Asia, there's kind of a, a xenophobia there that I think exists. And I don't think it's it exists as much today, but... I think there's kind of that idea of of playing with it, of the what if we hadn't been forced or circumstances had forced us to open up to the West. And I think that that's something that Japanese people can, or a certain group of Japanese people, kind of have that interesting fantasy with. Um, also, I'd say that, that there's something like 120 to 145 anime per season. And when you have that many shows coming out per year, uh, or sorry, it's 145 per year, right? Per some, year, per year. Like that. So when you have that many shows coming out per year, you're bound to have a, f- a handful of them that are about some kind of bend on history. And the Sengoku period is just it's just a gigantic period of history for Japan. And so as, as is World War II, it's fresh in people's minds. So of course that's going to be the, the time period of history that gets manipulated the most. I think there are also periods of history that we romanticize more than others. I think for the West, the Renaissance is one of those that that gets revisited a lot or medieval times gets brought up a lot. And so I think the Sengoku period is kind of one of those for Japan. Okay. So All right. Next mailbag question kind of is Well, the chat has everybody in the chat yelled at me when I when I still made you stop eating the cake. There's like a bunch of let her eat the cakes screaming at me in the chat. So I'm just gonna let you eat this cake. I can eat the cake. You can eat the cake quietly. And I'm gonna read the next mailbag question. I can eat the cake. You stop acting like a Moe girl, you're scaring me. We're supposed to you, we're supposed Mitsuki. to be saving your soul. He gave me cake. Eat the cake and reflect upon your sins. My sins are delicious. So the next mailbag question comes from Lord Okeanos, who writes, "Hey addicts, I was wondering, to your knowledge and experience, what is the native religious diversity in Japan? For example, what percentage of native Japanese consider themselves Christian, Catholic?" Orthodox, etc., or members of other non-native religions such as Islam or Taoism. Do the Japanese consider Christianity as that weird foreign religion? Do Japanese people think of Buddha as some foreign sage, or have they somehow indigenized him and forgotten of his Indian origins? That's a good question, and uh, one that's actually much easier than the last question we had. So, I just... I, I. Pretty much already knew the answer to this, but just researching it for, you know, to be thorough. In Japan, 50 to 55 percent of people are Shinto. 40 to 45 percent of people are Buddhist. One percent, only only one percent is Christian, and five percent are other. And they categorize other as a whole bunch of stuff, including Islam, Taoist, and a bunch of other stuff. So, um, I think that Japanese... The cake at the bottom of this blender is like straight up cake batter. Cake batter? It got really mushy. Yeah, does it taste like, uh, you know, your guilt? Um, yeah. Your moe guilt? Delicious, delicious guilt. 
So I, I think Japanese people are pretty respectful of religious beliefs in general. Um, nobody wants to step on anybody's toes in Japan. So everybody is very respectful of each other. No one in Japan, nobody in Japan ever killed another person over religion that I know of. That didn't have, that hasn't happened at least recently. Um, you never hear about crazy things like that. And um, I would say, maybe Chiaki will, will, will disagree with me, that Buddha is pretty indigenized in Japan. I think so. I think in Buddhism, you can look at the the traveling of Buddhism throughout um, Asia, starting, as you said, in, in India and in the Middle East or Western Asia, however you want to look at it, through China and then from China through the Korean Peninsula down into Japan. And each time Buddhism has traveled from place to place, it's kind of gotten its own local treatment. Chinese Buddhism is different from... Vietnamese Buddhism, which is different from, and even even in India, I know there are lots of different sects of Buddhism. <laughs> you said sex. Sect. Well, you should maybe you should take some of that cake out of your mouth when you're talking. I don't have any cake in my mouth right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But so Buddha has definitely, I feel, been indigenized. Um, but I think that people in Japan, in comparison to the West. People don't care about religion. I'm sure there are some yeah. people who really do. But if you meet people in the West, there are whole regions of at least America. I'm not going to say the West and lump everybody in because I can't I can't speak for Canada or England or Australia, if you're counting Australia as Western. But at least for America, there are whole states here that if you're not a God-fearing Christian... You, honey, you got to go to church or, you know, to whatever. Like so, Texas? Yeah. The deep, deep south? Deep south and things like that. And and Japanese people just don't care that much. Religion isn't as much a part of their identity as what I've seen in the States. I'm Being a Christian is part of people's identity. And I think even Christianity and the other religions have that kind of similar treatment for the Japanese people who are Christian or, or something else. Um Japanese people also tend to blend religions really well. We've talked about this before, but yeah. Buddhism and Shintoism are, are two completely different religions, and they go together. They're, if you're a Buddhist, that doesn't mean you don't go to a Shinto temple, and, and they yeah. work. Like Shinto is the now religion. If you get a car or you're getting married, you go to a Shinto ceremony. It's if you, super peaceful. If you want to pray for your soul, you go to a Buddhist ceremony. And so, like... I feel like Christianity and the other religions have a similar treatment and care to them that, you know, they just all kind of go together. Okay, so I think the chat wants to watch you keep eating your cake, so you go ahead and do that. I don't have very much cake left. So the next mailbag question is also by Lord Okeanos, and he writes, Hey, AAA podcast, the realm of anime has been overwhelmed by the heathen moe hordes. I'm looking at Chiaki right now. In fact, I'm going to look at you while I read this mailbag question. And its holy place has oh. become... Well, what are you making this face for? The ah. texture at the very bottom of the blender is really unfortunate. Yeah? Mm-hmm. You, you want to know what else is unfortunate? Huh? The color of your soul from all the moe defilement that's happening. I'm going to put this back now. Wow. See? Chiaki has, has seen the light of the moe... The Moe hatred and has put the cake on the table. Do you feel better now? Yes. Can I get a hallelujah? No. 
So, the realm of anime has been overwhelmed by the heathen Moe hordes, and its holy places have become places of sacrilege, and its saints have been defiled and forgotten. Do you ever plan to lead an anti-Moe faithful in a crusade against the Moe menace, and free the land of anime from, from this age of darkness, and begin a new golden age of manliness in anime? Well, Lord Okeanos... What I will tell you is that the Church of Mitsugi is striving every day to put down the sickness that is Moe. We started with just today, I think, we had some success with Chiaki. I believe over time that we will win this fight, so have faith in the Church, and together we will be strong. So, that's my official stance. You know what I have to say? I've thought about this. Yeah? In this long five to ten minutes since you blended and fed me cake. I've thought about all the moments that I've fallen on my face or that mm-hmm. my top has fallen off in an unfortunate way in a public place or the wind has blown my skirt up when I didn't choose to wear shorts underneath it. Let it all out. When I'm walking up the stairs and realize that there are men beneath me looking up, not at anything but me. And I've decided. I've decided. Yeah, what have you decided? I will become the Moe Archangel. What? I will become the Moe Archangel. You have a church, and that's fine. But I think, I think they need help. (laughs) I think that the Moe needs guidance, and they need someone to know that I understand. I understand when you fall on your face and when you spit water in the guy's face who you think is really cute, and... You can't think of words when you really, really want to, and your face feels like it's so red that it's never, ever going to be not burnt. So I'm going to become the Moe Archangel. I'm going to defend Moe people from you and your church forever and ever. Well, watch your back, Chiaki. Watch your back. Okay, so um, as, as, my, uh, as my first assault on your, on your uh, stamina... I would like you to read this next very, very long mailbag question. Okay. KJK writes, Hiya, guys. New forum member and new accolade here. My question for your almighty anime mailbag is the existence and discussion, or lack thereof, of LGBT characters in anime. One of the things that drew me to the forum in the first place was the existence of an entire genre for romances of a non-heterosexual nature. But I abandoned that route of investigation fairly quickly. Yaoi and Yuri's mere existences imply that anime is willing to engage with the topic to some degree. That said, it's not always handled very well and, for example, completely prevented me from enjoying Gurren Lagann when the first few episodes take a fair amount of time to show how perverted and camp Liron is. Oddly, Evangelion has become one of my favorite handlings of sexuality in anime because of thematic spoiler question mark, Shinji's ambiguous attractions being an integral part of his character's narrative and it doesn't need to make anything explicit for that to work. Any alternatives on which the show on which shows have done it right and why some may or may not succeed. Many thanks and keep some of the, up the fantastic work. So, my thoughts on this question are that anime doesn't handle I'm just going to say LGBT. Um, and by the way, did, did you say what that means? Or did, the acronym? Um, LGBT stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. Transgender. So 
I think it's because Japanese people in general don't really understand the concept of LGBT. Now, now I'm not speaking for everybody in Japan, but Japan is a very closed country compared to uh, many Western nations in terms of their views on LGBT. To the point that I think, Chucky, correct me if I'm wrong, that you've actually had close friends ask if, if like, gay people even exist in America. Yeah. Are they really real? Like... I've had people ask that. I've had people ask why all the gay people are in America. Yeah, like, because people, like, of course gay people are in Japan, too. But Japan's so, Japanese parents and people are a lot less accepting. And so, you know, everyone's in the closet, I guess. It's not, it's very different than than in America. But, um. I see the idea of LGBT being entertainment and pure fantasy for most Japanese people. Um, They consume it as entertainment over social commentary or even viewing it as something that's that's real. I, I tried to explain it to a friend actually recently by saying that Japanese people view some LGBT as a unicorn in an apartment. It sounds like a really good idea and it's fun to think about and look at because it's a unicorn in an apartment. But if you actually had a unicorn in an apartment, you wouldn't know what to do with it. Um, pet it? And what about when it poops on your couch? Big old <laughs> unicorn rainbow poop. Well, that's what we have the Moe slaves for. <laughs> Set my people free. <laughs> okay. So, um... What was it? Twelve years a slave. Twelve, 12 years. years of, Twelve years of Moe. Twelve years of Moe. Twelve years so, of Moe. <laughs> so, so, but there are anime out there that sort of give a fair representation of LGBT. So we came up with a small list here for you. Now it was a pretty tough list to, to come up with. So uh, forgive us if it's not super long. But uh, Horo Musuko came out a couple years ago and is a is touches on this issue. That one. That one is a really good take on. I don't remember how much sexuality, but gender and gender identif- identity. Right. Uh, Paradise Kiss has some, uh, I think, has some lesbian and gay gay characters. It, it can be a little more on the, the campy side. I could see the accusation yeah. for it. But given given the overall theme of the anime, it's yeah. it doesn't feel as bad as some. Uh, Maria-sama is an anime that I actually haven't seen. But Mar- uh, Maria-sama Watches Over Us is a show that I constantly hear is quite good so i you, know, you might want to check that out sailor moon um i put this on there because it was one of the first in my head but uh uranus and neptune in the original japanese portrayal of sailor moon they are not quote-unquote cousins and uh one of the ones i put on there was uh, makoto kusanagi major kusanagi from ghost in the shell in i'm not i I'm not sure if it comes up in standalone complex or one of the movies. I, I haven't watched all of them in a, in a while, but her side or cover job is writing orgasm software. Wow. Uh, for people who are totally bionic and she tries it out with female partners, but she also kind of flirts a lot with Bato. And one of the things that I think is interesting about the major is that her body was replaced when she was very young. So it's, likely before she could develop a sexual identity and so it's kind of an interesting look at sexuality for someone who's never necessarily had a i'm a woman or i'm a man kind of construct because i'm 
synthetic right and how sexuality develops through that all right why don't, why don't we move on to the next question because we have tons of these sounds good another question by lord okeanos hey triple a addicts i've started listening to your podcast about three months ago and i've listened to about 70 percent of your past episodes oh, i feel so bad for you <laughs> uh you are one of my top three favorite podcasts of all time oh well, thank yay. you very much thank you I'm a big fan of Spice and Wolf and and, and uh, Horo's English dubbed voice. I find just flat out sexy. So my question is, which anime character's voice do you find particularly attractive? And honestly, I couldn't come up with anything for this. Like this, there's a there's a zillion anime characters that I think are attractive, but their voices just I don't know. I don't really associate voices with being sexy. Really, I guess. you yeah. couldn't think of of anybody. Not really, yeah. Wow. But I have I have a great one for Chiaki here that I think that you haven't added to your list that was very recent, and that is um. Uh, what was that anime called? Uh, Hozuki from Hozuki no Reitetsu. Oh, you yes. loved his Japanese voice actor. Oh, his voice was super hot. Yeah. Oh man, yes, 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 and yes. So why don't you talk about the rest of yours really quickly? Because we got to get through these and we're going really slow. All and right. I'll, I'll try to think of one, I guess. I have Masakaki from C, his Japanese voice actor, uh, Sakurai Takahiro. I haven't heard Scott Freeman's voice of Masakaki, probably never will, but his Japanese voice is, is very nice. Um, voice actor uh, Yoshimasa Hosoya, who was the voice of Arata Wataya from Chihayafuru. And he has a very nice voice as well. English voice actors, um, you should know my vocal type just from these two. Spike from Cowboy Bebop. Got to give a big shout out to Steve Bloom. Got to love that deep and gravelly, tortured voice. And Solid Snake from Metal Gear Solid. Not quite anime, but David Hayter, man. David Hayter. So. I couldn't think of anything, so. Yeah. Why, don't we, why don't we move on to the next question here? Sounds good. Do you want me to read this one? Go ahead. Let's see. Unintentional Wine Snob writes, First time mailbagger, long time lurker. Thank you for starting the mailbag that way. It makes me think of Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Thank you, Cram. Oh, he's not here. Thank you for understanding the primary focus of Samurai Flamenco. With great power comes great responsibility. There are consequences to our choices and actions, good and bad. As I watch this, I realize the anime not only pays homage to all things tokusatsu, but everything about childhood cartoons. Heroes can influence our thinking, whether it is the first time you use a towel as a cape, write your first fanfic, or practice your maniacal laugh. I could go on forever about Samenko, but I won't. I can Samumenko. Samumenko. Sorry, I've I haven't heard that shortening before. I can totally understand why people may not like it. If you look at it literally, Samurai Flamenco doesn't work at all. It is about ordinary people wanting to do extraordinary things and often failing. This anime is a roller coaster of emotion and consequences, and you need to just strap in and let go. That's my two cents US dollars. So there's actually no question there, so no. nothing to really reflect on. Sorry. Um this next one is really long. I, I, I'm really going to encourage people in the future to try your best to make your mailbags a little shorter. Let's say like 50 words or less. This next one is really long. I'm going to read it, but I, I probably shouldn't. And um, actually, this next question is a is a question someone's trying to identify an anime. 
and I honestly I don't know what it is so maybe somebody in the chat can figure it out based on the description and we'll see if anybody can help you out. So. And if anybody figures this out, feel free to message it to me or Mitsugi, either via email or mailbag or forum, and we can yeah. say it on the show in the future. There's 86 ears here, so hopefully somebody will know. So um, let's see, who submitted this question? This question is from Geist Fluffs Bacon. Interesting. Just a quick question that is... and that, that is an anime series that I remember seeing briefly on Sci-Fi Channel in the UK in the mid to late 90s. So it's on the Sci-Fi channel. Now I've tried looking up what I remember about the anime online and on the channel's website, but I can't find any mention of it. If I were to give you guys what I remember about the anime, would you be able to help me find out what the anime is? So here are your clues. It was at least five episodes long. Main characters were a human male and female, an elf, a robot, and a dwarf. The robot was, was called something like B-12, and he sacrificed himself in the last episode to blow up an army of tanks that were chasing the heroes. The next thing I remember is the dwarf and elf being seduced by a shadow of a woman who turns into a beast and they have to fight. The male human has intercourse with a, with a witch who tries to teleport him to the moon so he'll suffocate and die and die as they're doing the deed. This sounds such 80s anime, like Ninja really Scroll era. Um, and the anime does when a droplet of blood from a human girl falls into the mouth of a human male, tra transporting him to a different dimension where he is standing on top of either the Tokyo Tower or the Eiffel Tower screaming. Any help you could give, you could give me would be, would be much appreciated as I can't find anything on this anime and starting to believe that it's a figment of my imagination. Well, it, it very well could be. Or maybe one or two anime got merged into one in your head. The best I can offer is that Anime News Network has a list of shows that were broadcast on the Sci-Fi Channel in the UK that I found, and I'll post the link with this uh, episode posting on our site, and right. you can maybe take a look at that list and see if any match your brain. So, we have some very, very adept anime viewers in the chat who can get an anime trivia question right based on almost nothing. So, I could show you an anime character's earlobe, and these these people would get this would get the question right, but here are their reactions. Uh, nah, I have no clue. WTF, WTF, what? Maybe a weird dream. This is a troll. Uh, this is just a mess. Worst anime ever. Not worth finding by the sound of this. <laughs> I think this guy was on acid. Be nice. <laughs> you guys are so nasty. So um, I actually have put out some feelers on this to other podcasts and on our forum also. So if I get the if I find out what this anime is, I will mention it on on an upcoming podcast episode. So we're on the case. So but for now, I can't really help you. All right. Next one. Sure. Go ahead. Go ahead, Chucky. Yotaro Vegeta writes, "Dear Pope Mitsugi." Recently, two ancient evils have reemerged from deep below the earth. Yeah, I'm sitting next to one of them. Oh, thank you. And I wanted to know the church's position on them. The male harem, a.k.a. the reverse harem. This genre of anime woes all, woos woos. All, woos all those interested in man meat and satisfies them for a while, but only leaves them unfulfilled. I don't know, in a reverse harem, I think people leave very... For filled. 
because the female protagonist never picks one guy to be with. Card game anime. For some reason, this genre of, an- genre of anime loves its protagonist to be super cocky, and he usually has two-toned hair. Luckily, the card game anime heroine is not designed so horribly. It tricks the easily susceptible children into buying tons of useless paperboard while making them watch lame anime with an OP hero. Well, let me tell you something, Yotaro Vegeta. There is a special place in anime hell, and by the way, I put the pop hat on because this is for a for dramatic effect. There is a special place in anime hell for those who who follow either type of harem. So may these people feel the same suffering as a person without any money being harassed at a strip club for lap dances for all eternity. Cuz that's kind of that's kind of what a, what a reverse harem's like, right? You have like a bunch of girls who all want the same guy or and uh No, no, wait, reverse harem's the other way around, right? Yeah, so you had a bunch of guys who want the same girl, but no one ever gets it on, so it's just a bunch of uh, wasting your time, right? Pretty much? Yeah. So, is that, is that how you feel, or, or are you going to defend harems also? Moe angels of the world, let us know that there are many fish in the sea, but make not these fish your harem. Make not these fish your school. Pick your fish, and be with your fish, and make your choice. So that way the harem does not last too long. That made no sense at all. It made perfect sense. The church has no position on card game anime unless they intentionally propagate one of the following. Harems, moe, cake eating, panty shots, or PVC figures. So, that's the end of that. I don't have anything for card game anime. That's... Well, that's because you came unprepared. Just like a moe girl. Hey, AAA, this next question is from Saint Animal. Hey, AAA, as you continue to provide anime addiction insurance, I present you a terrible what-if case. We provide insurance now? Should we distribute cards? I don't know. Maybe we should. We do have business cards. So, due to a severe accident, solar flares, or just too much plain late-night TV, all members of the podcast are now blind. Oh, my God. How am I going to read the rest of this mailbag question? This is horrible. All right, so Chucky's blind now. I'm going to finish reading the question. What will you do? Will you continue to watch anime by listening to it? Have friends narrate the show like a, like a light novel reading? Lay in bed as you resort to drama CDs played on your MP3? Or invest money to technology such as, such as the bionic eye? How will our internet heroes escape such a, such a dilemma? Chucky, why don't you opine on this? And I'm going to pull the chat. So, let's assume that I can't use technology right away like the bionic eye because that would be the first thing that I would try to do because with how much I draw and things like that, the idea of going blind is probably one of the more horrible senses that I could lose. It it might even be above hearing for me. Um, So, assuming I can't get an eye transplant or a bionic eye, once I'm done crying myself to sleep... I may decide instead to read all of the light novels anime are based off of via audiobook in English if they're available or Japanese if I can study enough. So, assuming I can use the technology right away, I think I would go with the bionic eye. I mean, I think that 
you can't really put a price on your eyesight, especially when it's either when when it's when the choice is having no eyesight at all or being able to see. So if I could use the eye, the bionic eyes right away, I would I would do that. However, if I can't do that, I think I'll go with listening to it, because I think with some more intense Japanese speaking study, I could probably manage to follow even if it was subtitled. So, yeah, but that's a that's a terrible question. I don't know.、Uh, That's like one of those questions when people ask you, "What's the order in which you would lose your five senses if you had to?" So the chat has poll has weighed in overwhelmingly. The chat says, with seventy percent of the vote, that they would invest in in the bionic eye. Yeah. Followed by seventeen percent with they would continue to listen to anime. Okay. So. All right. We're gonna stop the polling now. Um. Let's go with the next mailbag question here. Bobob one hundred and one writes. A question for all podcasters: Have you ever read James Clavell's book *Shogun*? It's really good if you like historical fiction. You have to read it. If you like Japan, then you have to read it. Also, did you know that this amazing novel has a TV miniseries and it's all on YouTube? Yeah, it's great. Please, if anyone has any comments about this, talk about it, and maybe one of our fine, brilliant, sexy-sounding-looking podcasters can talk this up on a show. It deserves at least an honorary episode. Thanks for the love. Sexy sounding, looking. Oh no, Cram is in here.、Um, I haven't. I, I know that Cram has seen this. I haven't seen it, but I I just looked up the、uh, the IMDb for Shogun, and it has won three Golden Globes and has an eight point two out of ten, which is pretty damn good. I've heard a lot about this book that it's really good, but I haven't read it myself. So yeah, we're guilty as charged. Haven't read or watched Shogun, so. But、uh, maybe we'll go ahead and do that now. Now that you've suggested it, I do like reading, but normally fantasy. So the next mailbag question comes from Steve D, who writes, "Dear Anime Addicts Podcast, I am a child of the '80s. My first anime was a Saturday morning cartoon called Voltron: Defender of the Universe. Flash forward 30 years, and I am feeling nostalgic, so I decide to rewatch Voltron." After googling Voltron, I found out that it was based off a Japanese anime called Beast King Go Lion. I, I decided, as an anime addict, to watch this instead, and I was shocked at the differences between both of them. Has this ever happened to any of you, where you watch anime in America, then watch the Japanese version, and are amazed at, at the differences? What do you think, Chucky?、Uh, the first one that comes to mind is Shin Chan. The、I、American、agree. dub of Shin Chan is. Kind of South Parky, Family Guy, very vulgar, very perverse. Jokes about divorce, just yeah. Ma- Daddy's cheating on mommy, things like that. Just whatever. All kinds of just awful, perverted stuff that I I loved. I mean, I loved Shin Chan. I thought it was really funny what they did with it. But when I went to Japan, and I had all these little kids being like, "Oh, I love Shin Chan. I watch Shin Chan." I'm like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, it's like four years. It's like for like. Four or five year old. Yeah, and I I didn't really know that, so that's one thing that that came to mind. But that but that's the obvious one. So yeah. Um, I was also surprised with Dragon Ball Z. Um, there's a lot of editing done with Dragon Ball Z in America. They cut a lot of content from the show, and also a lot of the voices are very different. So if you think about Goku's voice in English, he sounds he's not like a super manly voice. He's not like David Hayter. You know, he's not. He's not Solid Snake, but he has, but he has a manly enough male male voice, right? Yeah. But they, he sounds much more feminine in the Japanese version, and I think he's a woman. He may be, and 
I was a little bit surprised by that. Also, of course, as I said, the the, the amount of content that was cut was uh, pretty surprising. I find sometimes maybe not total changes to the series, but as I mentioned earlier, how in the American version of Sailor Moon, Sailor uh, Neptune and Uranus were cousins, but in the Japanese version, they're definitely more lovers. And I definitely find that those editing choices are are very interesting. And and I can understand Sailor Moon because I understand the demographic that they were going for and that it was on daytime TV for kids. But sometimes in other shows or when when they change names of food, when they call onigiri a, a donut or something like that. And I just don't understand the point of that because half the time it's people who are interested in Japanese culture consuming it. And it's not even an anime that's on TV. It's just direct to video. And I don't understand why not just keep it what it is. All right, so let's move on. Sounds uh, good. Tal Claren writes, Hey, d- uh, double A guys and girls. Oops. Double A. One of my one of one of my all time favorite anime is Gay Nex's Fully Cooly. I'm just curious if any of you have ever seen it. I rarely hear it mentioned among people's fans amongst people's faves, but I watch it every one to two years. Love the show. Stay addicted. I wouldn't say I watch it every one to two years, but I watched it a few times on late night Adult Swim, or was it still Toonami back then? I don't remember, but when it was on Adult Swim's run, I watched Fooly Cooly a couple times, and I enjoyed it for its mindlessness. It was on at like midnight, and it was perfect for going to bed. Yeah, I mean, because it was on Adult Swim for a long, long time, I've seen it probably three, four times. I mean, it's very short, right? It's only six episodes. Yeah, it's very cracked out anime. It's, uh, but I, I appreciate, it, I, I appreciate it for what it is. I, I think it's a good anime for anime clubs, especially the the shorter length of the of the anime and the the entertainment value of, of some of the comedy and some of the wackiness is great for an anime club. People can watch it without really investing their full attention to it, so you can sort of socialize and. It doesn't suck up your entire semester or year, you know, at the club. You can watch it for, you know, one or two weeks and be done with it. You know, I am going to be kind of bold and say Fooly Cooly might be one of my favorite things that Gainax has ever done, though. Oh, okay. It's not one of my favorites, but um, it's it, it's neither it's neither good nor bad for me. I pulled the chat, and sixty four percent of people have seen Fooly Cooly, so it's getting the chat involved more and more. All right. Um. Yotaro Vegeta writes, okay. Sports anime seem to be in vogue these days, but if you're not a fan of the sport, I assume you won't watch those anime. Do you think that sumo wrestler, wrestler Matsutado and Ping Pong, the animation, have the best chance of attracting non-sports fans due to their quirkiness? I guess this is sort of my realm, isn't it? Oh, well, you are the sports guy. So if you're speaking about this season, then Haikyuu will definitely attract the largest audience. I checked my anime list before we came on here, and Haikyuu has 6,800 reviews on my anime list. That's compared to 2,500 for both Ping Pong and Baby Steps, and Abaden Bokishi only, uh, only has 780. So Haikyuu basically has, by that metric, more viewers right now than any of them, than all of the other three sports shows combined. Now, I'm not really surprised by that, because... Haikyuu both has the marketing budget and the style behind it to sort of generate that kind of an audience. I, I don't think that it's really the type of sport 
that is a, that is as important as the way that the sport is presented. Yeah. For example, Kuroko no Basuke, Haikyuu, Free, Major, Ice Shield, all these, all those, all these extremely popular sports anime. They're all stylistic shows, and the former three appeal greatly to female audiences. Pe- girls go absolutely crazy for the for the characters in Free and Haikyuu and Kuroko no Basuke. That's that's like half the point, right? And um, most people in Japan don't really care about something like swimming or volleyball. Uh, as the most dominant sports are soccer, baseball, and basketball, but the presentation and the marketing draws the audience to the show. So, I, as we said, I don't actually think Haikyuu is all that great of, a, of an anime, but the audience for it is big. I, I we we saw marketing um, merchandise come out for it as, in Japan as we were uh, living over there recently, and the the amount of ads they had at Anime Japan 2014 was was ridiculous for. Uh, Haiku about regarding ping pong. I would say that despite the fact that we think ping pong is a good show, I would say that it's probably going to slip into obscurity very soon after the season ends due to the fact that it no one really cares about ping pong and the animation style is sort of one that's going to turn a lot of people off. And uh, frankly, everybody already hates the sumo the sumo anime. Don't worry, I'll get to it. Oh, you're going to get to that later. Um. Do you have anything else to add? Um, I think that quirkiness can attract non-sports fans, but I think if someone isn't a sports fan, they're just as likely to try one anime over another, and maybe even they'll go for a more well-known sport because they already have some kind of idea of the rules of play. Most people have an idea of how baseball is played and how soccer is played, even if you're not familiar with all of the finesse of the rules, where something like sumo or ping pong, you're not familiar with all the rules, so it's kind of a hit or miss if you have that person who is really interested in learning those rules and intrigued by it, or maybe they don't want that barrier to entry for themselves. Okay, next question. Next question. Ben Monroe writes, Hey guys, just wanted to start out by saying that I'm really enjoying your podcast. I haven't been listening for too long, only a couple of episodes, as I'm pretty new to the world of anime in general. Oh, welcome. Oh, welcome. Yeah, we're glad to have you. It'll get worse. I sought out a good podcast to help guide me into this massive world. After binging on Ghibli movies towards the start of the year, I thought it was nay on time I delved deeper into anime. I've just started watching Cowboy Bebop, and, and I thoroughly enjoy it. Pokemon is the biggest anime out there, isn't it? How come it never pops up on your own show? Is it regarded as regular anime and more of a kid's show? Or is it just because it's something that doesn't interest you guys? I only ask because I think, for many people, Pokemon was was my first taste of anime. What got you guys into anime? Hope I didn't rabbit on too long. Keep up the good work. Um, We don't do Pokemon normally because of the same reason why we don't do Naruto, Bleach, Fullmetal Alchemist, One Piece, Gintama, Shin-Chan, Sazai-san, or any of the other extremely long-running anime series. Basically, it's simple. Um, Well, we're interested in Pokemon. Both Cram and I have the Pokemon game and have finished the game, but um, otherwise, it's just too much of a commitment to follow Pokemon and other anime like it. I mean, these shows that just have a new new anime every season but are generally the same thing because it, it it causes us to be able to follow less of the other new anime that air. I think another thing that's in my head, too, and maybe you'll disagree, and this is just a perception of what I see this show being to myself, but 
I like to talk about things and get people interesting, interested in things that maybe they wouldn't hear about otherwise. And of yeah. course, a lot of the new series, some of them take off and you're going to hear Like, I mean, everyone heard about Attack on Titan, but I think there are other series that maybe won't get as much publicity and that'll fade off into obscurity. And by covering them on the show and by covering the new anime, we can kind of keep pushing things forward rather than focusing on, on super long running shows. And, and there's nothing bad about focusing on super long running shows, but everyone knows what Pokemon is and everyone knows what it's going to be long term. And so I, I don't feel as pressing of a need to cover it as things that are more where the anime industry is going. And to quickly, quickly answer your question, um, yeah, I got into anime through Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z and all that stuff, as we've talked yeah, about me before. Too. Basically, me too. Yeah. Um, but just so we have no hard feelings about the, about the issue of Pokemon, I have opened up a j- toy that I bought in Japan before I came back to Florida. And I got it at 7-Eleven. It's a, a small little figure of uh, Fennigan, or in Japanese, Fofokal. So I hold I hold up the uh, the box. Maybe you guys can't see it in the in the in the in the, in the, the live chat's camera, but Foco is the starting fire Pokemon. So I'm gonna put him on the table along next to the Titan eating the uh, the expedition team person. Oh, it's so cute. That's really cute. There, there's Foco. So no hard feelings. All right, so we'll move on to the next question. Can I read the next one? Please do. All right, uh, Amnes. This is just for you. Oh. I'm gonna bring back an old thing we used to do. By the way, I pulled the chat real before we. Uh, oh, did you? Before we left that question, and and uh, I said, "Do you like Pokemon?" Fifty fifty six percent of people say yes, they like Pokemon. So. All right. Only only eleven percent said no. All right. Are you guys uh, ready for this next mailbag question? Hi there, you, a three voices. I don't know what that word means. What's your opinion on Kenzen Robo Die Me Dialer? Is it just trash or so bad it's hilarious? Aside from my question, new to the podcast, don't know if I ever mentioned before, but Chiaki's voice is uh, kind of sexy. You're welcome. <laughs> it's been a long time since we read mailbags and sexy voices. So I, I didn't know what Kanzen Robo Dime Dollar is. So, by the way, the uh, the last word kind of sounds like Dime a Dollar. Yeah, I wasn't Dime Dime Dollar. Dime Dollar. Anyway, so I watched I watched a total of thirty seconds of the first episode of this anime, and I saw so I saw some things. Okay, you saw some things? in the first twenty seconds. There was a girl's, uh, the backside of a girl taking a shower. The very first image in the whole anime is a girl's ass in the shower. Oh my. Then it cuts to another shot of her ass later, and a shot of her zipping up a very large set of breasts into basically like a rubber suit, like to pile up the mech. So, twenty. it took us 20 seconds to get three sexual, uh, sexualized shots. Um, and I think it's called like... Kind of, Kenzen Robo versus the Penguin Army or something. I, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's probably not very good, <laughs> but um, I haven't seen it, so I can't fully fully make a judgment on it. Most of the chat says that the anime is god awful. Okay. So. All right. So that settles that. All right. So um, would you like to read the next mailbag question? Oh, I got it. Yeah, I no whatever. Yotaro Vegeta writes: If you are unfamiliar with Samurai Flamenco, an idol group called MMM. Mm. figures heavily into the plot. 
Anyway, what I'd like to know is if Kimiko and Chiaki were part of an idol group, who, A, who would be your third member, and B, which member would Chiaki passionately kiss at, a, at any given moment? Yes, this deep kissing does happen in Samurai Flamenco. The third member is not interested. So, I'm going to let you answer this, and I'm going to pull the chat. I think the third member, if Kimiko and I were in an idol group for real, would likely be our friend that none of you have ever met. So I guess this doesn't really make for that good of radio, but let's call her T and T can T has a really good voice. I don't know if you guys know this, but Kimiko has an amazing voice and I don't know. I don't think my singing voice is awful. So I think the three of us could, could definitely hold a tune. Um, of course I'd kiss Kimiko. Duh. Duh. I mean, was there ever doubt in anyone's mind? I think that if I think that if you had a band, I think that Cram should be the third member. Really? Yeah. But I uh, I pulled the chat, and we'll come back to that in a minute and see what they think after we uh, read this next question. All right. Saint Animal writes, "Hey, AAA podcast. I'm sorry if I came off rude, not supplying my name towards the fan art I submitted. I just thought it was inappropriate." to give one since I cannot commit time to the forum or fandom. You can call me either Saint Animal or Saint Dinimal. No, that's that's Stanimal. Stanimal. No, that girls can't read. Well, you know, that's because churches like yours keep us from being literate. It's a simple word. Stanimal. Come on now. All right, read the question. Do your best. As a new fan, I don't know whether this question is asked or not since I am watching the AA podcast chronically backwards, memento style. Do you think there is a chance for an American in-house anime production, one that doesn't rely on outsourcing shows like Young Justice or Legend of Korra to Korean studios like MOI Animation or Studio Mur? I often fantasize America following the Japanese steps by animating any source materials they wish to share with the general populace. Fictions like Wheel of Time, Dark Tower, Transmetropolitan, or Dune, all animated by those living in the United States. If not, then I would attempt to create my own anime studio to animate my favorite stories with the creator's permission and all. I strongly share your fantasies for all of these classic, quote-unquote classic, American tales being animated. However, I hold little hope as any of this ever happening. As we've covered before many times, anime in America just is not perceived as a medium that's for adults. And when it is, it's normally raunchy humor like Family Guy or South Park or whatever. I think Korra is basically the best that we're going to be able to hope for. Um, I think you have no chance of this happening. I, I, I don't want to, I hate to crush your dreams, but first of all, there's not enough popularity in America for anime in general as it is. It's already a, already a declining industry in America, and those who do like anime would simply shun it for not being Japanese, not a Japanese studio. There's no way I, there's no way that a, that an American studio would put out animation in the anime style and be accepted by anime fans. Yeah, um, I mean, look at look at Avatar. That's still a debate if that's an anime yeah, or not. I mean, exactly, and it'd probably be more popular in Japan than anywhere else. Oddly enough, I mean. <laughs> Japan has sort of this weird infatuation with everything that it's American. So, um, also I pulled the chat because we're I've decided that we're going to get the chat involved. Seventy three percent of people in the chat say no. So mm. I'm really sorry, but um, continue to enjoy your anime that comes from Japan and the you know and the and the few quality animations that do come out of America. So, 
All right, last one. It's the longest one, Mitsugi. I'm going to put it on you because I have three impressions later. Yeah, we got to have long, sh- some shorter mailbags. This, th- this next one's ridiculous. I thought about maybe not reading it, but I'm going to read it um, anyway. Um, Outlaw Venom writes, I'm not sure if Cram's st- statistic that one in five people within the United States has no internet access is true. However, I do know that in, the, that in a lot of areas, still the internet access is not yet fast enough to lend itself well to digital streaming whether they have access to the web or not. So I'm going to stop right there and answer the first part of that question. I went to the World Bank um, and researched this a little bit, and the World Bank is is extremely reputable. In 2012, 81% of Americans had Internet access, and um, 70% of of people in the United States had high-speed Internet. So, Cram's statistic is correct. Um, An example, for instance, is me. I live in a small town in, town in Cornish, New Hampshire. My broadband internet access is capable of streaming video, but barely so. My wife or son are doing anything online. My viewing experience is marred by semi-frequent stops for the movie to catch up. Because of this, I tend to get a hold of the discs. I can still consider myself fortunate, however. My connection is even, good, is even that good. A lot of people in my area still don't have any high-speed internet access, and up to a year ago... I, I I didn't either. Also, while I do enjoy the simplicity of streaming, when I, when I really like a movie or anime, I prefer to have the Blu-ray disc for the best quality and for the bonus features. I still buy a lot of anime and, and will continue to do so as long as, as it's available for, to me at a reasonable prices. I do believe that physical media is on its way out, but I would have to say that I generally agree with Cram. It's got a while to go before it's dead, at least I really hope so. I disagree. I think physical media will be basically something you can barely buy in like 10 more years. Well, I think then it depends on how you define a while. Yeah, well, I think in 10 years, I don't think you're going to be buying things on store shelves at all if, if, if it's physical media. So here come the questions. Have you found any other statistics surrounding the difference between people with the availability for high-speed internet and people still stuck with dial-up? Or how about people that have high-speed internet access but also are stuck with mo- with a monthly gigabit cap? Just saying that I think Cram's statistic might ha- e- might be even higher than stated if we take some of these in- into account. Love your show, Daniel. P.S. Please find a way to make the message box that I typed all this in wider. <laughs> it's really hard for me to proofread this without scrolling up and down a hundred times. Okay, well, very nice. Well, you know, with that P.S., you could type it in like Microsoft Word or Notepad or something That's true. first and then put it, copy and paste it because as Mitsugi was kind of saying, we're not really planning on people writing in paragraph form. Yeah, giant paragraphs. Um, as I said, 70% of people have high-speed internet in, in the United States and I personally think that the people that don't are either in areas that are too rural in other, in other words, having too sparse of a population for it to be profitable to run cable lines, or the terrain is too difficult to make running the lines affordable or even possible. So, for example, when I grew up, I was I grew up on a on in, a, in the mountains of West Virginia, surrounded by dense forest. So there were no major roads near my house, and so we we eventually, after years and years of having dial-up, which was awful, we got. Um, Satellite internet, which is okay, but not that not as good as cable by any stretch, and it cuts out when the when the weather's bad. But um, 
they wouldn't they wouldn't run the cable lines up up the mountain because it was just there just weren't enough people living up there for it to be profitable and the cost and difficulty of you know going through the tree roots and everything was going to be a nightmare so think about all, all the people that live in Colorado and like the mountains or in Wyoming where there's hardly any people I mean that's where your 30% is coming from I think yeah Google Fiber it's the way of the future. This is a really easy thing to to research online. So I, I recommend that um, if you want to have more information about this, you should just go to the World Bank or to other you know ma- major statistical sources, and you can find this information pretty easily. So, all right. So that's the end of the mailbags for this episode. We uh we we got through them. And we so. still have a lot more to go though in our document, don't we? Yeah, there's quite a few still. So we're going to wrap up this section of the podcast and we're going to move into the impression section of the show. So the, the poll question for you is which of the following shows that we are about to do impressions on do you think is the most likely to fail, not pass, fail? Your options are A, Mushishi, B, No Game, No Life, C, Akuma, No Riddle, or... Uh, D, Abuen, Bokishi, or E, all slash none of them. And we'll, and we'll be back after this news break, so stay tuned and we'll let you know how the anime from the current season are doing. So, stay there. you anime addicts this is chiaki and this is your anime news break this is quite an anime news break for those of you who are fans of japanese idol groups the male idol group arashi who is incredibly popular over in japan has recently announced that they will hold a two-day live concert run in hawaii on september 19th and 20th the island of Oahu will host Arashi Blast in Hawaii, an outdoor concert with standing-only areas for attendees near Honolulu. The performances mark the 15th anniversary of the group, and well, as Hawaii is just halfway to Japan, it might be a great meeting ground for Arashi fans everywhere. Another news, the 6 AKB48 Senbatsu General Elections will be held on June 7, 2014 at the Ajinomoto Stadium in Tokyo. Most of the girls are already busy with their campaign posters. A couple of the girls turn to anime for inspiration, recreating scenes from Attack on Titan and Kill la Kill. I have to say I think the Kill la Kill poster is way more effective, but you can find photos of both of these posters online and decide for yourself. In other news, if you have ever wanted to date an idol, well, there's a chance. Gravure idol Ao Shinozaki, singer in the popular idol group AELL, has recently appeared on MBS Radio's talk show Appare Yatematsu, where she was there to be interviewed about the release of their latest album, 4 Over 4, Yonbun no Yon. Shinozaki had a very exciting announcement to make regarding those who supported the group by purchasing the album that the group would be offering special dates to their most dedicated fans. Individuals who purchased 30 copies of the new album could look forward to trying the home cooking of one of the four idol group members. So if you've ever wanted to date an idol, it sounds like you can buy your way via albums into a date with one of these girls. 
In other news, the official website for the Aldenoa Zero television anime has been busy. It's by writer Gen Urobuchi of Puella Magi Madoka Magica, Fade Zero, Psychopaths, and Gargantia on the Verundas Planet, to name a few anime series that you might recognize. Of the announcement that they've recently made, it is that the series composer, composer Hiroyuki Sawano will perform the ending theme song. The website added a new key visual, and what I am most excited about is that my favorite group, pop idol trio Califina, will be performing the opening theme song. I am already interested in this new mech series. One of the first television commercials outlined the premise of the story that in 1972, a hypergate was discovered on the surface of the moon. However, war breaks out between humans on Earth and those who immigrated to Mars. This was Shiaki, and this was your anime news break. Don't go anywhere, because we'll be back to the show soon. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent was pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with your sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, Let's go again. Okay, and we're back with the 226th session of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm going to go through the poll question right now. The poll question was, which of the shows we are about to do impressions on is most likely to fail? Okay? Fail. Fail. And with 33% of the overall vote, Abadenbo Reikishi, the sumo wrestling anime, is the most likely to fail, according to the chat. Followed by Akuma no Riddle with 27% and Mushishi with 20%. Okay, so let me go through the impression process real quick. So this is how we do things on the podcast now. We, we, we've, we've changed the system over the last year. So we do impressions on the shows that we select each season. The impressions are about 8 to 10 minutes. At the end of the impression, we choose whether or not we fail or pass the animes that we are doing impressions on. A total of 8 anime can pass each season. So that's roughly half of, of the total selection that we start with. And those eight anime get passed on into the next section of and into the, into the next quote-unquote phase where more than one person will watch the entirety of that anime to have a much longer group review of that anime. So, for example, Cram and I recently did a 40-minute review of, of, uh, some, of Samurai Flamenco. So each anime that we pass will get that same treatment. And of course, there's also the ninth, the ninth anime that we will review that is chosen by you, the listener, on the website. So, but we're not that far yet. So uh, which anime would, that you have, Chiaki, would you like to do first? You have several of them. So why don't you go ahead and take a pick your pick? I think I'll do Aburen no Bokishi first. Aburen get... Bodekishi? 
That one. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it's called. So what is this anime all about? Lay it on me. This anime is about the most horrible piece of shit sack of flesh that you will ever have the unfortunate pleasure of watching if you decide to subject your eyeballs and your mind to it for a total of... Yes. What is he... All right. So I've heard from you and from other podcasts and people in general that he's not a very good person. Oh, yeah. What does he do? Can you please explain some of the actions he does that, that are so terrible? In the first episode, he leaves school early. He pours cold water on an old woman. He takes candy from a baby. He eats an old man's lunch that isn't his. He steals a car. He Wait, he takes candy from a baby? Yeah. Like the stereo like like, like the literally like like a little kid has candy and he takes it from Wow, him. they really want you to hate him. Um he tricks people into doing providing services for him that he then doesn't pay for. Later on he steals a car. This may be going into the second episode. I don't remember. It was all a blur. He steals a car and he kidnaps a woman who is one of his teachers in middle school, even though he's like 20. Is she hot? You want us to believe she is. I don't necessarily find her that stunningly attractive. Um, And he proceeds to... You know, just generally be awful, misogynistic, and then she loses her job because of his actions, and amid the butt-scratching and nose-picking, he feels no remorse. Oh, my God. Okay, so is that the story? Like, is that all they do in the first three episodes? Is there any sumo wrestling? No, that that's not all they do in the first three episodes. By the time they get to the third, second, third episode... His, he's been, he's graduated, quote unquote, more like get out of middle school. And his teacher is helping him find a suitable career. And they're going to all of the places where they can maybe have him find a job. And they start off at a truck company that happened to be the truck company that he stole the truck from. So that, as you can imagine, doesn't go very well. And he basically turns down everything else. And as they're sitting in a restaurant and he's sitting there going, uh, take me to an arcade, I'm stupid. And that was just, my... Just like that? Just like in that, that. In that voice? In that voice. Mm-hmm. He... um. He sees a bunch of sumo guys, makes fun of them. The sumo guys try to rise to the bait, and he tries to fight them. And the, his teacher gets him out of a fight, and the sumo guys are like, oh, I I don't want to fight someone who isn't trained to fight, and he's like one of the top sumo guys. Then the guy, oh, what's his name? Matsu, Matsutaro? Matsutaro then charges at the guy in the street and the guy of course who's a trained sumo wrestler knocks him out cold he wakes up and then he goes to the sumo arena and then apparently between being knocked out cold and going to the sumo arena he can now take on the guy ignoring all rules of sumo it's like this show is insulting japanese people's own culture like he goes into the sumo ring with shoes on like the ref is <laughs> the ref is yelling at him, going, "This is a sacred space. You have to take off your shoes." And he's like, "I don't care." And he goes in, and somehow between 
being knocked out and getting to the sumo hall, he manages to take on the lead sumo guy who just just knocked him out, not, you know, more than what, like one episode or 10 minutes before. And he picks up the lead sumo guy, throws him out of the ring two or three times. And the third episode ends with all of these sumo dojo or whatever they're tech. I think they're called dojo. I'm not sure. Um, But all of these sumo schools basically wanting him to come. And so they're all trying to bid for him to go to their sumo school. And how does he make his choice? He makes his choice so he can stalk the woman whom he kidnapped. He wants the sumo school that's closest to her. The uh, Ustreamer69839 says, This is a show for manly men. Moe angels need not watch. If this is the kind of manly man you wish to be, you're probably going to be alone for a long time or attract a woman who isn't who isn't worth her salt. So... The, this show I almost wanted to like, and I kept waiting for that one moment where it would show some redeeming quality about this main character. Like, if if you could even just like the main character just a little. Like, he could still be a jerk. There's lots of anime and shows where you have a main character who's a jerk, but they have something redeeming about them. But no, the more I watched it, the more I just hated this main character. So... So, uh, it's not passing. Oh, it's not passing. No, no, I I will not force anyone else to to watch this. There, there is very little that I feel is redeeming about this show. Any anything, uh, any particular people that might like it? How about sports fans? Mm, that's the thing is, it's not even. I don't feel like it's really even about sports. It's like he's I'm so big and strong and tough that I just can take on everybody, and I don't have to. I don't have to train hard or work hard. I just am big and strong and tough and dumb. So I feel like it's not really what sports fans are even looking for because most people want the drama of sports and and the working up to something and building up to it. And it's like he walks into it, and and maybe that'll happen, but. He's such an awful human being. All right. I'm going to sink such it. Such an awful human being. Time to sink the ship. Oh, yes. It's it's awful. What we've got here is... A piece of shit. Yep. 100%. It's, oh. it's a crap. Okay. So next up is Akumano Riddle. Akumano Riddle. Akumano Riddle is a story that I took a chance on. It's a story, an anime that I took a chance on. It is a Yuri anime of the season. It was based off of a manga that started in 2012, written by Yun Koga. And it has two volumes, so not a lot, but the manga is still ongoing. It is being produced by Studio Dio Media. Medea. It has a weird like asterisk over the E. So Strange. I'm not really sure what how they want that studio to be possessed possessed, pronounced. I'm using all kinds of wrong words. It's, well you are Moe. Um, it's directed by Keizo Kusakawa and he was the director for Magical Girl Lyrical Nanaha Ace. It's a pretty decent as well show. as Strikers and yeah. Asura Cryan. Dog Days uh, uh, and Campone? I don't know. A couple know. others. That's kind of a weak list. Yeah, it is kind of a weak list. 
And the story takes place at a private girls boarding school. Really, the story starts out with where we see our main character, Tokaku Azuma. And she is this main character who's this cold, rough and tough assassin. And the first episode starts out with like this this training course. And you see these people running through it and they're running over obstacles and they're in the mud and they're engaging in combat. And she's the first one to clear it. And so she gets chosen, basically, to go to this school. And it's this Myojo Academy. And it's the Academy's 10th year black class. And you get kind of this feeling on campus that people know what this black class is. And it's kind of this special class that's outside of these other classes. But it's a very prestigious academy. And I'm pretty sure they said it either goes from junior high or even elementary school, I think, all the way up through college. So it's like supposed to be this super elite academy. Um of these 13 students that are put into this black class, 12 are assassins. And they're all tasked with killing the one student who isn't an assassin, Haru Ichinose. And we learn in the first episode, first and second episode, that they're out to kill her. And we also learn that there are some basic rules for killing her. And the basic rules are is that each of these assassins has a red little book folder thing. And in this folder, they can write or they can... Mal's little red book? <laughs> Not quite that. They can write or they can paste letters from a magazine like you've seen people do before and for, for ransom notes and things like that. And they give it to Haru Ichinose. And when they give it to her, they have 24 hours to kill her. And of course, they don't have to write their name. They could, but they don't have to. And they have 24 hours to make their assassination attempt. If they fail, they're kicked out of the black class. And if they pass, they get one wish granted. And it can be anything. It's kind of like a boon. And the girl in the third episode who makes her first attempt... We find out that her wish that she wants granted is she's a serial killer. And... Wait, she's actually a serial killer or that, or she wants to be a serial killer? She's actually a serial killer. How old is she? Uh, maybe like, I don't know, 14? 15? <sighs> That's my reaction to that. She's pretty messed up. She's pretty creepy. Because they talk about... Don't roll your eyes. What am I supposed to do? You it? haven't even seen it. Well, what am I supposed to do? It's it's just another anime about a school full of assassins. Wow, ah, kill everybody. This girl is pretty messed up in the head. They go over the fact that how the only way that she can get pleasure is through cutting victims with scissors, and how she doesn't actually get pleasure from the killing, but from the torture beforehand. Are they called the cutting goods? No, the they're killing not. goods. They're not called the killing goods. So, so is, I, I haven't heard you talking about Yuri. This is a Yuri anime, right? It is a Yuri anime. Well, where's I'll get the to Yuri? that. Where's the Yuri? I'll get to that. Well, they're all girls. Did we did we miss that part? Yeah, they were all girls in comfort too. That didn't make that a good anime. I didn't say it was good. Now you're putting words in my mouth. Okay, keep going. So, 
So she makes the first attempt and she is foiled by Tokaku Azuma. So Azuma is、uh, Haru Ichinose's roommate, which I would just be sitting there going, You got the best card out of everybody. You're her roommate. You can kill her whenever you want. She sleeps next to you. And for whatever reason, for a very thinly veiled attempt at logic, They make Tokaku Azuma Haru's defender. She decides that she's not going to take her little red folder and she's going to defend Haru and try to keep her alive. And we find out Haru's had a very, very, very sad past and how everyone who's tried to protect her dies. And by the third episode, we don't really understand why people want to kill her so badly. We know that people have wanted to kill her for a long time and she has scars from torture and attempts on her life and things like that. But I'm not, still not sure why. Something about、uh, there might be. Something as mystical as a curse on her to something as she's been genetically engineered. So I'm not 100% sure with this why people want her dead so much. Maybe I missed it or maybe they haven't ex- explained it yet. This anime reminds me a little bit of Dongan Rompa in the sense of you kind of have that people like. Kids are somewhere and, and they're dying. But unlike Danganronpa, which kind of has that ace attorney kind of, we're figuring out who the killer is, this one you, you know through the whole thing, and it's more how if Haru's going to survive and how、uh, Tohaku Azuma is going to help protect her. So the, the things that I didn't like about this show one, it got a little ridiculous here and there, as, as you could expect. Two, I don't have a problem with Yuri. And I mean, I picked it knowing it was a Yuri show. But, and this goes for anything. I don't understand why I do. Beca- I do understand it because of how Japanese, these companies view Yuri and Yaoi and all that. But why, if it's like we're going to make a Yuri show, all of the cast has to be lesbians? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, had, I didn't even hear you really mention a lot of Yuri in your discussion. Well, I mean. Is there even one Yuri scene in the first three episodes? Tokaku Azuma and Haru、uh, Ichinose already have kind of a thing going on between them. You know that, that they're going to hook up. There's some sexual tension implied from other characters toward Haru. There's some sexual tension implied between other characters. So, so it's not. There's been nothing that's extraordinarily overt yet. But I could definitely see it going there being more than just、um, shoujo eye and verging into more of the realm of like straight up Yuri, where they're, they're very forward with that. But my problem is just I can't give credibility to anything when all the characters are lesbians or all the characters are gay or all the characters are one、That's、of the other. That's a good point. Because. That would never happen, really.、Right? Yeah. And, and just like shows that I also fault for all the characters being heterosexual. In. In the world, it's a blended spectrum. And you're going to have people who are homosexual. You're going to have people who are heterosexual. You're going to have people who are both and some who are none. And I don't mind that the anime is focused on characters who might not be traditionally homosexual or traditionally anything, but 
just put them in a world that feels real if you want me to give if you want me to give them credit to their relationship. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't. This is not the first anime that's that's done that with the. Oh no! Of course not. I mean, Comfer was like that, or Kemfer, or, how, or however you pronounce it. Um, we had that anime what like last season, right? Yeah. I can't remember what that was called. Cram had it. I'm not sure. Can't remember what it was called, but um, we failed. We failed that one. It was the other one of those shows where all the girls ended up being Yuri. I mean, you, you'd never be in a school where everybody is a lesbian. Like that doesn't really exist, does it? Yeah. I'm not really sure. I mean, I imagine there's somewhere out there that it's like a support group or something. And in that situation, yeah, it exists. But in any case, if you haven't picked up, there's nothing amazing about the show. There was nothing horrible. There was nothing when I was watching it. I was entertained by it. I was interested by it. In fact, it it was almost up there for me with uh, Black Bullet. And I passed that one. You did. You did. I did. Yeah. So so it was kind of entertaining, but it was just, eh. It wasn't offensive. It wasn't, I didn't hate it. I wasn't dreading the next episode. But I also wasn't engaged. And, and the thing that put the nail in the coffin for me was the third episode, no one had died. They had had this assassination attempt. It failed and they had them get out of the situation by not killing the girl who was trying to assassinate them. Where where the defending girl, um, Tokaku Azuma, she had she's an assassin who's never killed somebody. And you already kind of know that it's going to be like the whole anime is going to be leading up to the moment where she has to kill somebody to save Haru. And she starts like trying not to kill everybody. And it's like the, well, let's all be friends type of thing. And... I just don't have patience for that. If you're going to have an anime about assassins, people have to die. Somebody has to die to give credibility to your story. I don't want everybody to die, but I mean, they're already going down that route of like, we don't have to kill her. You know, that kind of thing. So failing this one, I'm failing it. The animation is awful. They just recycled mouth movements without moving the characters. It's awful. I tell you awful. Okay, so we're now at two out of two for failing. And by the way, that that other anime that week that I couldn't remember the name of was Sakura Trick. Uh, you'll be happy to know, Chiaki, that I pulled the chat, mm-hmm. and only fifteen percent of people polled said pass. And I don't blame the so people for wanting number. to pass it. It's just it's just lower average for me. It's not awful. If you really like Yuri, you might even enjoy it, but it's nothing special. It's it's nothing that you'll really enjoy. Okay, so this next anime that I'm doing is the second season of Mushishi. Uh, Mushishi is a show that came out in the earlier 2000s, I think. It's It's been quite a long time since, since this first season. It came out in 2005. So it's been nine years since the last Mushishi anime came out. And I think that people were shocked when the sequel was announced because, I mean, it's, it's a long gap in time to, have to be waiting for the... A sequel to what was basically a very beloved anime that came out, you know, in 2005. So, Mushishi is... It follows the adventures, I guess, the adventures of Ginkgo, who is a, a Mushishi. You know, thus the title of the show. And Mushishi is a person who studies uh, Mushi, which are the, quote-unquote, they're like the lifeblood of the world. 
they're they exist everywhere they're in everything they're they're i kind of equate them to bacteria in that they they exist in like your you know they're in they're even in like your eyebrows i don't know they're microorganisms fungus bodies of water i mean they can be anything right they're everywhere and and anything some of them seem very spiritual so they're like little they're like little little critters that kind of you know, move around and stuff. I, I kind of think of uh, you, Chuck. You'll remember the anime um, with the with the bacteria guy, the guy mm. that could see the bacteria. Oh, Moyashimon. Yeah, it's it's a little bit like it seems like Mo, Moyashimon to me a, a little bit because it's you know only Ginkgo I guess can see them and they're sort of like little bacteria dudes. Anyway, Mushishi is a very it's a very peaceful, placid show that. Is broken down into episode episodic stories. So the first season of, of Mushishi, I believe, was was a full twenty six episodes, but um, this new season of Mushishi is only, um, I think it's only going to be twelve episodes. So it's going to be half the length of the prior season, and every episode has its own self contained story that has Ginkgo sort of moving, you know, from one place to the next, studying a new type of Mushishi, a new a new type of, of Mushi. So in the first episode, it was like this mushi that um, I'm trying to remember. People used to to brew a special kind of uh, of alcohol. In the second episode, it was a mushi that hides inside of she of, of seashells when there's going to be some kind of a disaster in the ocean. In the third episode, it was it was a it was a mushi that imitated and looked like snow. So. They're all very interesting little, I don't want to call them vignettes, but they're sort of little little short stories, right? Um, so far, in my estimation, the best, the best of, the, of the first three episodes was the second episode. I, um, I really found myself to be engaged in the second episode's story. Um, because the anime is very episodic, they're just little one-shots, I'm only going to really talk about one of the episodes, because I, I really don't want to spoil all... It's it's really damaging to you as a listener if I spoil the first three stories entirely, you know? Because it isn't like I'm spoiling the... It, you know, when most usually an anime has 12 episodes, so talking about the first three episodes isn't a huge deal. But in Mushishi, the, the story is only 20 minutes. So in order to you know, keep that same rule, I can only talk about, like, the first four minutes of each episode. So, Mitsugi, right? if I pick up episode three without episode watching episode one or two... No problem. Okay. Episode two is about these little mushi that live in the ocean, and when there's going to be a natural disaster in the ocean, they, they, they come onto the seashore and hide inside of these little sh- of these seashells. And Ginkgo is walking around, you know, in the area, and he notices this. And he says, oh, well, there's going to be a really bad disaster. I better warn the, the, the local village, right? And the local village, I, you find out, has already had a bad disaster that's happened in the past. So in the past, uh, it's a fishing village. A, a shark killed one of the villagers while she was fishing for fish in the water. And the head fisherman was there when it happened. The shark kills a man's wife, right? Mm. The head fisherman chooses to pull his 
daughter or son, I can't remember who, which it is, out of the water rather than save the man's wife. And so the, the head fisherman sort of blames himself. The man whose wife is killed blames the whole village. And so he takes his daughter and he sort of isolates himself from the rest of the villagers because he is really focused on just protecting his own himself and his family that's left, you know. And you have kind of this this broken village and people don't trust each other and it's sad. There's a sad story behind it. But nonetheless, Ginko sort of goes around and um, warns the villagers that there's going to be another disaster. So you find out that what happens is the entire... There's some kind of a pollution or a poison or something that comes into the ocean, and it's like a red tide, like a crimson tide, like 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 Alabama. <laughs> you know, the ocean turns red, and it kills all the fish in the ocean, including the fish that are in these fishing colonies that the fishermen that the fishermen have created, and it wipes out all the stock. And so the fishermen are thinking, well, how are we going to eat? How are we going to trade with with other villages and make enough money to survive? You know, it's terrible. And what happens is that throughout the course of the episode, the, the isolated fisherman decides that he wants to, uh, it's safer for him and his daughter to rejoin the village, and as a contribution to the village to sort of apologize for being such a creeper, he comes back and he, I think what he gives him is a pearl. He has a pearl that he's been saving, and it's really, really valuable, and the village thanks him so much they can buy some food with it. So everyone's reunited, and it's happy. It's a happy, um time and um you know i think the ep- the moral of the episode is sort of like a, a story of forgiveness uh, it has you know a lot of important themes in it that you know make it make it a compelling story for the viewer and um it was generally genuinely enjoyable i really liked the second episode of the anime it was uh very solid. I'm not sure if the anime was alluding to this, and and I know when you said Crimson Tide, you're I think you're making a sports reference. Well, yeah, the 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 Alabama Crimson Tide is a football is a college football team, but it is actually like the ocean turns red, it kills everything in the ocean. Well, I knew it from growing up in Florida. There's an algae bloom that's called a Crimson Tide, and it actually is a type of algae that turns the water brownish. Does it red. kill fish? I don't know if it kills fish or not. Well, I'll, I'll look. Um, while you're doing that, I'll just... I, I, didn't, I didn't really talk much about the staff behind this show because a lot of the staff in the studio are the same as the first Mushishi. So it has the same sort of aesthetic feel to it that the first season has. Uh, that's pretty much all you need to know. Yes, it occurs when Microsoft with algae... They're harmful algae blooms. They can capable of killing fish, birds, and other marine animals. They also can cause health problems in humans, including respiratory irritation. So I didn't know if the, the show was making some kind of allusion to the mushishi being like bacteria in the real world. Um, Baka is dumb wants to know if the woman in the story died in a sharknado. She did not, that did not in fact happen, but had it happened, it would have been very interesting. So, uh, I'm gonna make I'm gonna wrap this up quick here. The um, I like Mushishi. I haven't watched the first season, but it doesn't matter. You don't have to watch the first season of Mushishi to watch this this second season. The stories are really well animated. They're really well told. the 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 structure of the storytelling is solid. The characters are really nice. 
Um, it's overall a, a, a pretty great show. The, the, one, the one criticism I would have of the anime is that it's a little boring. If you're the kind of anime fan that watches anime to have, like, really fast-paced action or people killing each other or, you know, sex or whatever it is, that is not in Mushishi at all. I mean, the anime couldn't be slower. I mean, we, we, we played the opening theme song in the, uh, in, the, in the beginning of the anime. I mean, here's the opening theme song, right? It's like the slowest put-you-to-sleep music ever. I've actually had people say, Cram's wife actually said that she loves the original Mushishi and she loves to fall asleep to it. I mean, listen to this song here. We broke this is what the anime feels like when you're watching it. You just kind of want to fall asleep and, you know, wake up halfway through and go, oh crap, I missed 10 minutes and have to rewind it. But, um... If you're okay with that, I, I, I think it's a really great show. It, it's um, it's more quality storytelling than it is entertainment, really. Um, I'm going to pass Mushishi. I think everybody knew it was going to pass. I'd be the only critic on in, on the face of the world that, that didn't at least want to review the anime in its entirety. <laughs> so I'm going to pass it, but I, I truly don't think it's for everybody. I think that it's it's about as slow as you can be as an anime and as a as a, as a, as a you know, a form of entertainment. So if you're not that viewer, you may not like the anime. It's not going to be for everybody. So just keep that in mind when you watch it, and I think it'll be fine. Um, and and again, you don't have to watch the first season to watch the second season of Mushishi. Just sit back and have your have have a cup of tea or something, and uh, enjoy some little twenty minute one shot stories. They're they're nice. So something that is definitely not calm or slow is No Game, No Life. So this is going to be our last impression for the show and not of this episode, not overall. No Game, No Life is a currently slated to be 12 episode series. It's based off of a light novel that started in 2012. It's currently still ongoing with six volumes. There was a manga that spun off in 2013, still ongoing with one volume, and now in 2014, it is getting a television anime series, so it's a franchise that's been busy. The director is Atsuko uh, Ishizuka, and notably, Atsuko is the assistant director for Nana, which I think, as we all have covered, is a fantastic series, well worth watching. Other notably for me was she was also the director for Aoi Bungaku and that was another one that was a fantastic little story. So otherwise there isn't too much on her her list that she did Supernatural the animation series. Did that did that come out? Uh, that came out? Yeah, I think it did. Oh. I think so. Oh, Maybe. I forgot that. Don't know. I'm not okay. Um, and a couple others she's been involved with. So the writer that did the series, comp I'm not sure if it's series composition, it just says written by, um, is a man named Juki Hanada. And Hanada has worked, did series composition for Steins Gate, Robotic Notes, Rob Rosin Maiden, and script for a ton of things like Oh My Goddess, K-On, Steins Gate, 
Ichigo Mashimaru, Fate Stay Night. So there's some interesting people working on this project. No Game, No Life uh, is about a pair of siblings, Sora and Shiro, and they are a pair of hikikomori nits. And together they form a duo, trio, whatever, that they go by the name of Kuhaku, or blank space. They leave their username blank, and everybody knows them about by the blank space. <laughs> so, uh, so clever. <laughs> and it starts out where... They're taking on people with four characters. So they're each controlling two characters in this MMO at once. So like the little girl sister is using her feet to control one character and her hands to control another. So they're like, they're super, super gamers. And we discover throughout the course of the first episode and and the way things evolve that the girl is kind of the very intelligent very smart, almost like supercomputer. She ends up playing a game of chess against someone who it just show demonstrates her ability. She's like never won. She's beaten professional chess programs and things like that. Whereas I see the male character as being more of kind of the charismatic kind of strategist, kind of more willing to take a chance and is willing to deal with shifting variables. So these are Shiro Shiro is very good at kind of having thing working with things on the fly or or and sorry, Sora is good at working things on the fly and Shiro is she's, you know, very black and white in analytics. And they get invited quote unquote, to come into a world that is run by games. They don't fit into the real world. So they're invited to go into this world. And when they accept, they're literally pulled into the world through the computer, sucked into it, and they're pulled into a world of games by one of the god or the god of the games or an assistant for the god. I forget what it is, but it didn't seem exceedingly relevant. And they learn that there's 10 commandments to the world of games. And I'm not going to go through each of them, but they're things like... If you get or everything in the world is decided by a game and you can decide what the game is and what the rules are, it can be as rudimentary as rock, paper, scissors, or it can be as involved as a game of poker or a chess game or something else. So everything in the world is decided by a game. You have to follow the rules. And if you're caught cheating, you I forget what the punishment is. I forget it's more if it's more than just you lose outright. Your fingernails pulled out. (laughs) <laughs> maybe strung upside down by your toes something horrible given a swirly oh my so the entire world is decided by games and and there's 10 of these commandments and i don't remember all of them but they're all pertaining to kind of how this world is run and that it's run by thou games. shalt not eat moe cake <laughs> don't think there's anything like that jackie why is everything in this anime purple and pink um i don't know i'll get to the style in a minute though so they come down into this world and they learn that the new king of the world is being decided as his dying wish proclaimed by a poker tournament. And the poker tournament is coming down to a girl who is kind of trying to get in and then the granddaughter of the prior king. And the siblings notice that the girl who is trying to come into the throne is cheating. And so... They 
they tell this to the the girl who's the granddaughter of the king, but she doesn't do anything, and she loses. So this other girl becomes king. So then the siblings engage the granddaughter of the king through just stuff happening into another game, and Sora decides that if he wins in a game with her, that then she will have to date him, love Uh-oh. him, something like Labu-dabu. that. And so he wins, of course. And then thus begins the start of one of the most annoying characters in existence. I could not stand this character. When this character was smashing her own face against the floor, I, I just that. I just wished I it wouldn't that. stop. In fact, I just said harder. Smash your face in Splatter harder. Splatter those Moe brain. So that way you do not have to... Splatter them everywhere. Force me to endure you for one more second. Because she starts doing this thing where because she lost the game and she has to love him or date him or I forgot what exactly his terms were... He, like, asks her to do something, and she's like, oh, yes, of course, honey, darling. And then she realizes what she's done, and then she wants to smash her face into the floor, and it's it's awful. It's awful. Does it remind you of that scene in Higurashi where, uh, where, where Odika's smashing her head into that knife? I wish it did. I had forgotten about it that scene. That's crazy. It would be far more satisfying. She's just an awful character, and we're supposed to have some kind of amount of caring for her character, but I really tried hard, but I just couldn't find anything to care for her after they made her to be, you know, the the court jester by being such an idiot and whatnot. So, like, basically, you are a lot more lenient than I am when it comes to just about everything. I have almost no tolerance for certain things at all. And I was I watched an episode of this anime, and everything was this obnoxious, discolored pink, pink, orange, and red and purple. I don't know why. It, like the whole anime, the whole anime looked looked like a sunset. Right? That didn't bother me. All the characters were screaming and acting like idiots. Not but, all of them scream. Just this I mean, one person. She's awful. I don't know. I seem to remember like a little girl type character. Little girl type character. A boy character. Yeah, and yeah. Then, like, a, Shido, and then like a girl character. Shido, there's some like weird kind of incest going on between Shiro and Sora. And I know some people are. I know it's going to be one of those things where, oh, it's their sibling love. It prevents them from being apart for too long. And they just love to be around each other. And they're dependent upon them because they're hikikomori and neats. And, and there's all these reasons why they're psychologically dependent upon their. But really. Really, guys, I'm so tired of sibling pseudo incest that I just don't want to deal with it. I don't I don't care. All of those reasons are just there so that the people who want to get their jollies off on pseudo incest oh can get their jollies like, off on pseudo incest. Chucky, do, do, do you want to wear the pop hat? I might need to. No, you can't wear it. I'm sorry. It's no, Don't even think about it. I mean, the girl looks like she's seven. Okay, so yay. So now we have pseudo incest and, and her hair is like 60 feet long. We have pseudo incest and pseudo pedophilia. I'm we're just really racking up a beautiful bill on this. Anime. Her hair is like twice as long as the whole, as the entire length of her body. I'm looking at this photo, and it's ridiculous. It's, it's. I mean, like for example, when Sora makes this deal with this girl Stephanie or whatever that she has to love him, Shiro is like. 
but I thought all you said that you needed was me. And he runs back to her side and he's like, you're all I'll ever need, my sister. And I'm just like, no, I I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Or like how they can't physically be apart from each other. So the chat likes the games, which you haven't really talked about. All right. So here's the games that we had in this anime. We had had the first quote-unquote game that was the MMO they were playing. And we only got a snippet of that. So there wasn't enough that I can pass judgment on one way or another. But it did establish to the fact that they were, you know, badasses in this regard. The next game was one that Cheeto played. And it was a chess game against the god of the game world, I presumed it to be. And... She won, and that was interesting to introduce us to the intellect of Shido's character. The next game was a poker... No, no, no. They played a game. I forgot if it was just more than... It was a big game of chess. I remember that. I'm I'm, I'm getting to it. They played a game with some bandits for some supplies that I forget if it was more than rock, paper, scissors. I forgot what it was. And then there there was a poker game that they played for some more gold and stuff like that. And that game was... Uh, it's hard to call it interesting because again all of these games were over in about 30 seconds all of these the the poker game lasted all of maybe two minutes of the episode then we had the rock paper scissors game with Stephanie between Stephanie and Sora which also lasted maybe two or three minutes of the episode that was probably one of the more interesting ones because it was talking about the probability that Sora was working through in his head Then what turned me off to the games was the last big one that we had, which was a chess game between Sora and Shiro and the girl who won the prior poker contest to be the king. So she's the king, basically. And it's a chess game, but all of the chess pieces have their own wills. So, for example... If you tell, like, you know how in chess, I know you are an avid chess player, Mitsugi, and you're very good. And you know how in chess you will sacrifice a piece for strategy or for board position or something like Uh, that. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Like, for example, the piece will not want to sacrifice itself. And so what starts as a game being played by Shiro ends up being a game that is more played by Sora as he then has to rally the resolve of the pieces and then there's like things involved where the black pieces if they touch a white piece the white piece isn't defeated but then is turned into a black piece and here's the reason why I don't like it because in a series that's supposed to be all about games this tells me that the series is just going to do whatever it wants to the games bend the rules however it wants to then turn these games into whatever vessel they want to have for what they want to have happen. They're not going to pay attention to any kind of solid rules. There are going to be things that are just going to come up because they want them to. And there's nothing that tells me about this show that any, any games in the future they're going to take seriously. So how can I look at a game in the future that might have super high stakes and then give credit to it when I can just think, oh, well, maybe the pieces will fly off the board and hit him in the face. You don't know with this series. And so it really is... Live audience really disagrees with you. That's fine. It's, well, yeah. We have a popular we have a popular vote. That's true. That's why that, that this is why the popular vote exists. So yeah. 
Anyway, so I'm guessing you're not passing this anime. I'm sorry, it's not passing. Gandalf has spoken. I'm so confident in not passing this one that that I'm not even swayed by everyone not liking it. All right, so next week is our last week of impressions. We have uh, Knights of Sidonia, um, Still World is Beautiful. We have... The World is Still Beautiful. Oh, yeah, Still is. World is Beautiful. M3 and Broken Blade are the, are the four anime that are left. So we'll get to this next week. Um... Thank you for everybody who uh, who came out and watched. We had a, a very large audience the entire time. Yeah. So I hope everybody will enjoyed watching uh, Chiaki eat moe cake, even though that cake didn't blend quite as well as I thought it was going to. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's why you add milk to uh, to your cake. It probably right? would have been better if you mashed it, I think, than blended it. I know we were being true to the anime, but... Right. Well, she just drops it in there. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, this was episode 226 of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Um, you can find us at our website, www.aaapodcast.com. Don't forget that after next week, the listener choice anime poll will be up on the website. So you will be able to choose which anime you want us to review as our ninth selection. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at aaapodcast, and we're also on Facebook. And live every Saturday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Ustream.tv. Thank you again to everybody who watched live. We had a lot of a lot of participation this time, so it makes the show much better having you here. So we're always always grateful. The uh, the show taking you the song taking you out tonight is the closing theme to Mushishi Zokusho. So enjoy another sleepy song, and we'll see you guys next week. Take care, everybody. <laughs>